So with us this evening, we have Brother Travis Medeiros. I hope I got that right. Nailed it. <laughs> Missionary to Hawaii, and he'll be speaking to us tonight whatever God's laid on his heart. Amen. Thank you, sir. Well, good evening, everybody. Glad to see, as we say in Hawaii, aloha. <laughs> Glad to be here with your church family as well, too. Been appreciative as well, because uh, we've been able to use the prophet's chamber over there. Very thankful for that, uh, making that available for us. And so uh, to start us off, for those who may not be familiar, we visited back here, I think, in 2017, I think, I think if I have it correctly, 2017. And so it's been a while since we've been with your church family here, but for those who do not know, my name is Travis Medeiros, and I was born and raised there on the island of Oahu, uh, there in Hawaii. And this is my wife, Sarah, originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And if you take a look uh, there uh, in, uh, in the lobby, you'll find our prayer card. And on our prayer card, you can see really our three kids. We have our oldest daughter, our oldest, our daughter named Anna, and she's seven years old. And of course, we have our son, James, who's four years old. And then our youngest, newest addition is Thomas, and he's a year and a half. And so... We're the Madeiras family, of course, once again called to the, uh, the island of Oahu, there to my hometown of Kailua. Now for me, for those who may not be familiar, I, like I said, I grew up in Hawaii, grew up in a religious house. I said, be a good person, do good things, and hopefully in the end you can hope that you know, everything will be settled, that you'll be in heaven, and everything would work out. And that's what I did. You know, so I was trying to be a good person, trying to do good things, and my kind of, uh, I guess what I, what I went for was that, hey, I can keep seven out of the Ten Commandments, and so... 70 is a passing grade, right? You know, 70 is pretty good. So that's what I was shooting for, right? And so, but that all changed when I started attending Ko'olau Baptist Church and Academy. And it was there in the academy that really God's word was brought to me. God's word was preached. I was encouraged to memorize God's word, take God's word home, have a copy of my own of God's word. And it's really through the preaching of God's word that I began to understand that my works cannot get me to heaven, that my works cannot save me, but that I need to put my faith and trust in Christ alone to forgive my sins and to give me eternal life. And so in November 2003, I accepted Christ as my Savior. And the blessing is from there, God began to work in my heart, began to change me, of course, from the inside out. And so, but eventually, uh, back in 2007, I graduated from high school, uh, went to Bible college at West Coast Baptist College from 2007 all the way to 2011. And of course, there I met my wonderful wife. And so we met there, began dating, and of course, we got married uh, in 2012. And so after we got married, I was able to work at my home church, Ko'olau Baptist Church there in Kaneohe, Hawaii. And had a great time there, but it was in 2015 that I really, I really believe that God called us to go back to the island of Oahu to see a church planted. And so, <clears throat> once again, it was during a missions conference, and I really was praying about it. And, and, and God called us to go back to the island of Oahu. We didn't know where, we didn't know what city, uh, but we did know that God wanted us to plant a church there. And so in 2016, my family and I, we went out uh, into the United States, uh, the continental United States, I should say. And we traveled 122,000 miles, uh, visited 212 different churches. And after three years of deputation, we finally got 100% of our support, 100% of our startup costs. And we're able to go back to Hawaii almost to the day that we left, three years later, uh, back in June of 2019, we got back to Hawaii. And of course, it's kind of crazy how God really did everything, because when we got there to Hawaii, there in June... Uh, we really didn't know where we're gonna, where the church was going to meet. Uh, we really didn't have a place lined up for us to live either. I, my, my aunt said you can stay at, our, at her apartment for two months, two to three months. And so we're very appreciative for that, but still didn't have anything lined up. But it's just amazing how God does provide and how God does take care of us and just got to step out by faith and just continue to trust in Him. And you'll see that happen, of course. And thankfully there in June, 
We just saw this uh, storefront uh, there in the downtown Kailua area. And in that storefront, it was a 900 square foot, what used to be a gym. And so it was kind of stinky, kind of smelly. Uh, there was no flooring. The, the paint on the wall was very interesting and things like that. Uh, but still, it was a property that was available, and thankfully God gave us that property so we could rent it and be able to use it for the church. And so we got that fixed up, and almost at that same exact time, uh, we didn't know where we were going to live, but eventually a friend of ours said, hey, my cousin, uh, she has a house that they're looking to, to rent out, and so maybe give her a call. And so we called her, and it came to be it was a, like $1,000 above our budget. And so we're like, you know what, we appreciate the opportunity. We're thankful for, for you know, thinking of us and considering us. Uh, but it's just too much money. We, we, can't, we can't afford that. The next day, literally the next day, she called us, and she was calling us, and she was crying on the phone. She was crying on the phone, and we said, oh, what can we help you with? And she said, you know what? I was doing my devotions this morning, and I said, God, use me to do something for you. And that's when your name came to my mind. And I think this is what I need to do for the Lord. I'm just going to give it to you for the $1,000 off, and you guys can make use of that house. And so... Thankfully, we've been able to make use of that house, being able to use it to host, uh, to host having people over from the church and being able to make use of that for the ministry. And so very thankful for that. And of course, it's a great blessing to our family. But like I said, uh, we were there June uh, 2019. And by August, three months later, we had a place that we're living. God provided that. And a place for our church to meet. God provided that as well. And so we started at Maluhia Baptist Church in 2019, uh, there in the month of August. And of course, Maluhia in Hawaiian, it means peace. Peace, taken from John, uh, Romans chapter 5, verse number 1, having peace with God. And that's what we're looking to do, of course, in our community, showing them how they can be reconciled to God, have peace with God by accepting Christ as their Savior. And so I've been preaching that, of course, uh, uh, through these years. But the, the thing is, of course, as we all know, uh, we had the church started there in August. For six months, we did great, seeing families saved, seeing people baptized, discipling believers. And so, but then COVID happened. COVID came, of course, there in March 2020. Everything shut down. We went online. And of course, I didn't know what I was doing. We had, a, we had one video camera. And for some reason, as we turned it on, it only recorded 15 minutes. And then it would just shut off. And so there's my wife. We're, we're, I'm preaching, going through the message. She's like, Travis, it shut off. So I like paused. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, she started again. I get preaching on again. So it's a very interesting time, of course, for us and for everybody. But still, you know, it was a tough time. You know, we shut down. And I think in June of 2020, we were able to meet once again. But still, it wasn't the same. Some of our people had to move because of their job uh, situation. Uh, some people, a gentleman who was 82 years old, uh, he came to church there in November 2019. I was able to talk with him and really just love on him, talk to him. And it was in December of 2019 that he accepted Christ as his Savior. I'll never forget, he told me, he's like, you know what, I prayed prayers, I've done this. People asked me, do you want to go to heaven? I said, yes, yes, yes. But I really didn't really do anything. I just kind of prayed the prayer because they said that. I said yes to things that they, you know, I thought that people would want, but I never really truly accepted Christ as my Savior. And I said, well, you know, I don't want, I don't want to just push you into a prayer, buddy. I just want, I want you to know for sure that you're a sinner, and I want you to know for sure that Jesus can save, and you've got to put your faith and trust in Him alone for the forgiveness of your sins and, of course, eternal life. And like I said, December 2019, Richard accepted Christ as a, as a Savior at the age of 82. And so we took him down to Kailua Bay, uh, right there in the ocean, baptized him as well, too. And I always like to say I kind of baptized him twice because as we're getting in the water, one big wave just came and just dunked us. And I'm like, well, now we can really do it now. You know, now that we're all wet and everything, but you know, we can really do it. So but I had a great time with that and seeing God, uh, of course, change his life as well, too. But still... With COVID, he was, uh, his family was like, Grandpa, you shouldn't go to church, you know, because, you know, the COVID and things like that. So he wasn't able to make it to church. And so it was weird. 
Uh, those first couple of months, you know, we would see visitors every week. Then all of a sudden, for seven to eight months, no visitors, nobody. And we just started off, we had a small uh, congregation that was still faithful, praise the Lord, but still nobody was there. But still, God's been faithful, God's been good, and we just said, you know what, God called us here to do a job, and so we're going to still stay here and keep going on, keep serving the Lord. And, you know, there's, there's, there's those services where it's just me and my family, you know, empty room, just me and my family there. I'm preaching God's word. We're putting it online, of course, but still, well, like I said, we're not doing it for crowds. We're not doing it for numbers. God called us there to the island of Oahu, there to the city of Kailua. We're here to do a job, and we're ready to be able to, to, to minister to whoever may come our way. And I really do believe because of that faithfulness, God did bless, uh, what was it, this past Sunday was uh, Easter Sunday. Our first Easter, we had nobody because uh, everything was shut down. And so our second Easter, we had a couple more people. But this past Easter, we had 45 people in attendance that day. And so it was, a very, it was an amazing day. And it wasn't just that, like I was sharing uh, with Autumn. I mean, that day, people were serving. People who had never served before, they were serving. People who weren't even supposed to be serving, they just got up and helped out and things like that. So it was a, it was a very great day. We had visitors that day. People were serving that day. I mean, our biggest Sunday to, to, uh, to date. It was just an amazing day. But as I was sharing as well, too, we all celebrate, of course, the empty tomb there on Easter. And then the next week, as somebody once said, we celebrate the empty pew the following Sunday, because usually less people come the next, the next week. And so it was, you know, last week, that's kind of how it was. There was less people, but the blessing was one of the visiting families that came there on Easter, they came back, and they're, being, they're, they're getting plugged in, and we're looking forward to getting to know them more, getting to love them more, and, of course, making sure they know Christ as their Savior. So we'd appreciate if you pray for us there at Maluhia Baptist Church. You may be like, well, how do I spell that? Well, we have a pen there on the table back there, and, of course, you can keep this pen, use this pen, but, of course, every time you see it, just pray for our church there, Malahia Baptist Church. And, of course, don't forget to pray for my family as well, too. We have our prayer cards back there. So please make use of that and grab one of those as well. But this time, looking forward to preaching God's Word. Let's go ahead and grab our Bibles here this evening. <clears throat> Let's go to our Bibles here this evening and open up to Luke's Gospel. Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to find our place here tonight. Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to find our place here tonight. There in verse number 25. And really tonight we're going to be focusing on really the, a question. And that question is, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? So let's dive into this here tonight with the time that we have. The Bible says this, Luke chapter 10, verse number 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He, speaking of Jesus, he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? That's what we're going to be focusing on here today. But as this dialogue between Jesus and the religious crowd begins to go, it came to this point of who do we love? Who do we love? But before we look at the who, 
I want us to focus on that word love. Now, we know in the Bible there's different uh, ways that love was said. Of course, in our English language, we say love, and I can say I love my wife, but I can also say I love nachos, right? But it's not the same love, right? It's a different type of love. And in the Bible, it's the same way as well, too. But here we see this love that's spoken about there is the agape love, this unconditional love, the love that God has given to us that we must mirror to other people as well, too, in our world today. Now, if we're going to love our neighbors, though, as God has designed, there are really three essential conditions that we've got to understand in order to demonstrate this agape kind of love in our life toward other people. So if you're taking notes here this evening, and of course I encourage you for every sermon, any kind of message that you hear, take those notes because you never know how God can how use that, of course, later on in your life or even this week, really. But first of all, number one, if you want to take notes here this evening, we see a question to answer a question. Number one, a question to answer a question. The lawyer, this this religious leader, he asks a question. And Jesus answered his question with a question. (laughs) Did you notice that there in the passage? By the way, Jesus does that a lot in Scripture. And Jesus often, when when people would come to him and ask him him a question, he would ask them a question back. And with that question, they would give an answer. But he does this because he really, what Jesus was trying to do, he was trying to get them to start thinking about what the right answer is. And so Jesus responds with a question. The lawyer asks the question, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answers with a question, well, what is written in the law? How will you say, you tell me what's written in the law. Pretty much what he's saying, what do you think, you know? And as a good lawyer, as a good religious person, this is what he said. He quoted the Shema in verse number 27. And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. So we see here this lawyer, first of all, he gave his first answer was, letter A, love God. Letter A, love God. Of course, you can see it there in the passage. And in other words, there's no hypocrisy here. It's it's all of our love toward God because the truth is we will never get the horizontal love right If we first don't have the vertical love right, our love for the Lord, it really affects the way that we love other people as well too because we're not going to love others as we ought to love others if we don't love God as we ought to love God. And what I love about churches whose vertical love is right, they have this agape kind of love, is that that love flows and does affect all the horizontal relationships that they have around them. That's how a church, you know, you can have a church with every race, every age, military and local, rich and poor, all coming together to worship the Lord. And I always tell people, you know, it's just funny because what do you think heaven's going to look like, right? (laughs) It's not going to be one class of people, this other class of people. No, it's going to be everybody of all sorts, every nation, every tongue. That's how it's going to be. That's how heaven's going to be like. But the thing is, ladies and gentlemen, here tonight, we're never going to be able to love our neighbor if we first do not Love God. We'll never get it right horizontally if we never first get it right vertically. And so the first answer is love God. Love God. You may sit here tonight and say, well, Pastor Travis, well, how do I do that? How is that accomplished? And the thing is, even at Maluhia Baptist Church there in Hawaii, every single message, no matter really what message is about, I always try to give the gospel. Because why? It's that important because you never know. Today could be somebody's last sermon that they could ever hear. First time here maybe, but could be their last time, their last chance to hear the gospel. I'll never forget door knocking uh, there in Kailua, door knocking for our, our, our grand opening service. I was there in, in, a, in a small area of our city called Enchanted Lakes. It's built around a lake, a very beautiful area, a nice residential area. 
But I'll never forget going door to door, knocking on doors, putting door hangers on, talking to people and whatnot, just inviting them to our, 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 uh, our grand opening service. <clears throat> I'll never forget, I went to this one door, knocked on it. Eventually nobody answered. I put the door hanger on there and just kind of went on my way and just kept inviting people. All of a sudden, we had our course, our grand opening, had a great service there as well, too. And of course, uh, two weeks passed after that. I'll never forget watching on the news, it says, you know, breaking news, there was a fire in Enchanted Lake. And I was like, huh, and anything that happens in Kailua, especially, I look to see what's going on, who's affected, things like that, and how could we help out? What can we do to be a blessing? And so I looked at it, and I, I looked at the house, I'm like, I remember that house. I put a door hanger on that house two weeks ago, you know? And it just, I'll never forget that day because I thought, I thought about it. I was like, you know what? I could have been the last one to give that person who passed away in the fire, I could have gave that person their last opportunity to get saved, their last opportunity to, give the, you know, to have the gospel, to see what Jesus has done for them. And it's, it's really a convicting thing that always continues in my mind is that I could be the last person to give somebody the gospel. And that's why every opportunity I have, you have to say it. And the gospel here this morning, the, or this evening, the good news is that you know, let's start with the bad news actually first. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every time I explain that to people, I like to use my basketball illustrations. And if you know Pastor Travis pretty well, uh, my basketball career was very short. And I didn't peak in high school years or college years. I didn't peak in junior high years. My, the top of my basketball career was in elementary school. I know, you're like, man, this guy, there's a famous guy up there, you know? And so, but yeah, I wasn't good at basketball at all. Let's put it that way. So I'll never forget playing basketball, though. You have the basketball there. You're going to shoot a free throw. You shoot it, and, of course, it looks perfect. I mean, it's right on spot, straight as can be. You can, it, you can just see it going through the net, swooshing through the net. But if you're like me, what you see in, in reality, really what you see is this. It goes like this, and it what? Falls short. And, of course, that's normally known as a air ball, you know? And that's what happens. You know, I fall short. But that's the same thing we are with God. God, he's perfect. He's righteous. He's holy. And people, they try with money. They try with their good works. They try with influence to hit that mark. But we always what? We always fall short of the glory of God. We can never hit it. And because of that, the bad news is that we're sinners. But it goes from bad to worse. For the Bible says the wages of sin is death. The thing that I deserve, the thing that you deserve, just like you go to work a job for a number of hours, you work that job and what you earn, the wage that you get, the money that you get is what you deserve. And what we deserve for being sinners, the Bible says, is death. Spending eternity separated from God in a place called hell. And once again, why? Because we're sinners. Why? We're deserving of God's wrath. And the thing is, that is horrible news. That is bad news. That is hopeless news. But of course, we know there is good news, right? Because that verse doesn't just stop there saying the wages of sin is death. It goes on, but the gift of God is eternal life through who? Jesus Christ our Lord. It's not through church attendance, not through baptisms, not through giving this much money, not being this influential. It's through a person, through Jesus Christ our Lord, putting our faith and trust in Him. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And that's a promise directly from God that if you pray to Him, confess that you're a sinner, and ask Him to forgive your sins, and turn to Him alone to be your Savior, God promises to save you and to give you that free gift of eternal life. And like I shared with my testimony there in November 2003, that's where I was. I thought I was a good person. I thought I was doing good things. But when God's Word was open to me and they showed you how to be saved, there was no good works in there. 
There was no being this person or doing these good things. That, that, that's not going to get anything. The Bible says all of our works are, are, are as an, uh, all of our unrighteous as filthy rags, the Bible says, right? It's not going to do anything. So if you, if, you, if you don't know Christ as your Savior here tonight, the thing is you need to realize, number one, you are a sinner. That hell is your, going to be your final destination. But the good news is it doesn't have to be that way. Why? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life. And so the good news here today is that you can be saved. And like I said, the question comes back, how can we love God? The way to love God is you have to be in a relationship with him. You have to be saved here this, this evening. And so we see, first of all, his answer was, number one, love God. But number two, I want you to notice this as well, as well letter B, sorry, love others. Letter B, love others. Now, once again here, we just kind of established this. God, of course, we see it says, uh, love thy neighbor as thyself. And pretty much what God's not doing here is he's not saying, hey, you need to love yourself. That's not the most important thing. Of course, in America, we, we don't really struggle with loving ourselves, right? It's something that comes really natural for us, right? We go look on Instagram. We see TikToks and things like that. And it's people what? With the camera facing not that way. It's always facing this way, right? Look at me. Look what I'm doing. Look how popular I am. How can I benefit from this? And it's always a, a very focus on ourselves. But in Ephesians chapter 5, God talks there about the husband in a marriage relationship. And notice what he says there. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it. See, you don't have to love yourself. You're already, you know, that's not a problem for you. You don't have to overcome that. We already, maybe we love ourselves actually too much here tonight. But what God is saying is that, do you love your neighbor, though, as you love yourself? Husbands, do you love your wife as you love yourself? Do you give others the benefit as you give yourself the benefit of the, of the doubt? Do you, are you as forgiving with other people as you're forgiving with yourself, is what he's trying to say. You see, we already love ourselves. We already nourish ourselves. We already take care of ourselves. And God is saying, now, take that self-love and give it to other people. Take that self-love and reflect it to other people. And so we see here in this first answer, we see two parts. First, love God, but then love others. John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. And then verse 8, it says this, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. A little bit later there in verse number 20, it goes on to say this, If a man, I say, love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him that he who loveth God love his brother also. And so we see here tonight, this lawyer had the right answer. Love God and love others. But there's also, we see in this equation, it says, love thy neighbor as what? Thyself. And so we see there's really three people that we could love, three objects that, can be, that we can give our love to. We see the first one, of course, is God. We see the other one is others. And then we see the next one is ourself. And really, the question comes, how do we organize that? What priority list should that be? Should it be myself first? Should it be others first? Should it be God first? And the thing you have to understand here tonight is this. If you want joy in your life, it must be like this. Jesus, others, and then yourself. You understand that? J-O-Y. Jesus, 
others, and then yourself. That's how it has to be prioritized in our lives. And so that's what we see clearly from Scripture. So we see, first of all, we see first, we see a question to answer a question. But I want you to notice this secondly, quickly here tonight, the paralysis of self. Number two, the paralysis of self. It's interesting, as you read on the story, of course, we hear about Jesus telling about this man who was beaten, who was robbed, who was, you know, just, just destroyed. And really, it's a good picture of what sin does to a person. But nonetheless, that person was hurt. That person was destroyed. He was there on the side of the road. And take a look there, verse number 31, what it says. And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, what does it say there, right? He passed on by, uh, passed by on the other side. By chance, we see here, letter A, a divine encounter. There came down a certain priest that way. And listen, friends, no one, I want you to understand this here this evening, no one comes across our path by accident. No one comes down our path by accident. You may say, well, they had to choose to come. And yes, that's true, but who influenced that, right? It was God. God orchestrates these encounters each and every day for us. There are no accidents, and you're not even here by accident. You have to realize that every person that walked into here tonight needs to be here. You're here for a reason. God has something for you to take away from this. You know, whether it is something for today, whether it is something for next week, or even next month, God has something prepared for you today. And the question is, are you going to get it? Are you going to take from that? Or are you just here looking at clocks and being like, man, when is this over, right? I remember those days as a teenager especially. I remember looking at clocks and being like, man, I don't want anything from this. But when God saved me, when God made a difference in my life, I remember I'm just like, hey, I'm ready here to eat. I need a spiritual meal here. I need something to help me. And that's what God has you here. And so realize that you're here for a reason. Every person as well that you interact with today, tomorrow, tomorrow in the store, you got to realize it's not by accident. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, verse 9, a, man div- a, heart, a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. John 10, 23, or it's Jeremiah 10, 23 says, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. And so we see here a divine encounter pops up, but we find also in the story, sadly, letter B, a diminished empathy. Letter B, a diminished empathy. It says, by chance there came down a certain priest that way. This, this man whose life has been disrupted physically and bodily, he was destroyed and just left for dead, left alone. We see the Bible says that this priest, he saw that. He saw that man, and when he saw him, he passed on by the other side. And likewise, the Bible goes on, it says, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked, upon, uh, looked on him and passed by on the other side. And Really, for me, especially as a pastor, this just boggles my mind because these people were religious people. They knew the, the Bible, the Torah. They knew what it said. This priest, this Levite, you know, you would ask them, hey, what do you do for a living? And they're like, well, I'm a priest. I'm a Levite. I'm in the ministry. Right? I'm here to serve God and do, do what God wants us to do. But the thing is, even though they were in the ministry, somehow their empathy, somehow their love was diminished. It was gone. Because, I mean, what kind of a ministry doesn't care for people, you know? What kind of a ministry loses its compassion for people? Once again, when Jesus looked at the multitude, he had compassion on them. Why? Because they're lost sheep, as he says, you know? And the thing is here today, when we look at people in our world today, what do you see, right? A lot of times we see uniforms. A lot of times we see titles. A lot of times we see jobs that they do and things like that. You know, you go to the grocery store, that's a grocery worker. You go to the bank, that's a banker, right? 
And the thing is, we see that all the day long, but the question comes, not what do we see, but how does Jesus see them, right? And that's how we really need to be changing our thought, changing our way we view people, that we have to see people as Jesus sees them. Because when Jesus looks at that banker, when Jesus looks at that, 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 uh, that grocery store person, what does he see? He sees a soul. A soul. A soul that's either going to go to heaven one day, or it's going to spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. I'll never forget walking in the Walmart there in downtown, all of Moana area of Honolulu. I'll never forget just walking, pushing my car along and, you know, just doing grocery. I think Sarah was picking up stuff and I'm just there just kind of like, yep, here we go, you know, pushing the cart along and just being there to be able to to pick up all the the items that she picks up. But the thing is this, I'll never forget pushing that cart along and all of a sudden it just kind of hit me. I mean, it just totally just hit me and I just stopped in my tracks and I'm like, everyone here is going to spend eternity somewhere one day, either heaven or hell. That lady that's walking by, this door person that's working there, I mean, everybody. It just kind of hit me. You know, at that moment, I, I guess you could say I put on my God goggles. I saw people as God sees them, as souls, as important, as precious. And the thing is here today, how do you see people in your world, right? The people at your job, the people in your family, the people that surround you each and every day, how do you see people? You know, how, how dare we say that we're in the ministry and not care about someone who has a need? Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter, uh, Lamentations chapter 1, verse 12, It is nothing to you, all ye that pass by. Here in Luke's gospel, apparently there, there, was, there was nothing to, the, this man meant nothing to this priest, and meant nothing to this Levite, and what did they do? They just passed on by. The psalmist said in Psalm 142, verse 4, I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that, that, that would know me. Refuge failed me, no man cared for my soul. And listen, it may never be said in this community, may never be said even in my community there in Kailua, it may never be said of a child, of a teenager, of an adult, that nobody cares for my soul. You know, there ought to be people out there who are caring for people, who are praying for people, who are out there giving the gospel out, right? You know, the thing is, we shouldn't be people that are just going about our day saying, hey, I have the gospel, I'm saved, I'm good to go, and everybody else, I, I, I mean, I care, but I, you know, I'm too busy for you, right? It may, it may not be that way ever, right? We need to make time for people. We see Jesus did that, especially as he was heading up to Palm Sunday. We see him stopping, stopping the whole mass crowd of people to talk to two people. The two blind people there, uh, there I think right outside of Jericho, and he's talked to them. They said, have mercy upon us, the son of David. You know, have mercy upon us, heal us, we're blind. And Jesus, what he did is he stopped the entire crowd and made time for those people. An interesting note on top of that as well, too. What did the disciples do, right? The disciples said, hey, leave Jesus alone. He's a busy guy. Do you understand what he's going through? He's going up to Jerusalem. He's a busy guy. Leave him alone. But Jesus didn't do that. He said, I make time for people. And I love that about Jesus. Jesus, of course, he talks to crowds. He leads crowds and things like that. But he really cared about individuals. He met individual needs. And that's the kind of personal Savior that we serve here today. But the thing is, may it never be said that we don't care about people. May it never be said of a single adult or a married couple or an elderly senior citizen that nobody cared for me. May there be a church here in Puyallup. May there be a church there in Kailua. And may there be people who say, we do care. We do love you. And then you may be saying, well, how can we do that? How can we apply that? Well, I encourage you this coming Sunday when people come through those doors, love them. Say, I'm glad you're here. What's your name? I want to get to know you. I love you. I care about you, right? 
People around you as well, too. You may be like, I don't even know who that person is. Be like, hey, have a smiling face. Be happy. Be joyful. I mean, we need to love and care for people. Why? They're God's creations. They're precious. They have a soul that's going to spend eternity somewhere. And the coolest part is you can do something about it, right? I'm not an electrician. I'm not a plumber. As a church planner, you kind of have to be that, but a lot of the things, I mean, I'm like, man, I didn't get shocked that time. That's cool, you know, that's a, bl- that's a plus, you know, and so, but the thing is, I'm not those things, but what I do have is I do have the plan for salvation, right? I can show them from God's word how they can be saved, how they can have their lives changed for all of eternity. Me, I can do that. You can do that. We all can, but the question is, are we going to do that, though? You know, the thing is, a lot of times we like to make excuses. Well, I'm too tired, or I'm too busy, or I'm this and that. But may we not make excuses and make, you know, say we're too busy to give somebody the gospel when, when they need that. No matter what the season we're in, we dare not let our empathy for people be diminished. But I want you to see this in the letter C. We see a deceitful expedience. Letter C, a deceitful expedience. Take a look there once again. The Bible says they passed by on the other side. They saw the need, but the Bible says they even looked upon him. But apparently there was something on the other side of the road that was more expedient. Something on their to-do list that was more important than meeting that man's need. Here's a man half dead. Here's a man stripped of everything that he has, wounded and robbed. But nothing in the life of this Levite, nothing in the life of this priest was more important than than what they had to do, right? They weren't sacrificial at all. And in our world scenario, the verse right there, verse 31, this is how it will read. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side and did what? Pulled out his cell phone and began recording what was happening there in the situation, right? Trying to get some views, trying to get some hits on YouTube and things like that. That's how it would play out today. They would film the situation, post it on Instagram as he walked on by. But why would they do that? Because their priority is to be influencers rather than lifesavers and even soul savers, right? To be great in this world and not to be great in the next. But whenever, like I said, there was a need, though, Jesus stopped. And it didn't matter what he was on his way to do. It didn't matter what he was involved in. Jesus stopped and met those personal needs. And the question is, will you do that as well? (laughs) If you're a follower of Christ, if we're trying to be conformed to the image of, of, of Christ... That's something that we need to be doing as well, too. And so in our world today, how do you see it? Do you see this place as just a place to make money? Do you see this place as just a place to have joy in our life? Do you see this as just maybe a place to make friends? You see, when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. And may we, likewise, as a church here tonight, be moved with compassion to the people that God brings our way and intersects in our life. Quickly here tonight and finally here tonight, we see number three. The power of sacrifice. Number three, the power of sacrifice. Take a look there. Verse 33, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. We see here, first of all, letter A, a serving mindset. Letter A, a serving mindset. This Samaritan was not highly revered, one that wasn't necessarily the highest esteemed in the sight of others. I mean, for instance, this man was a Samaritan, right? We know the Jews despised the Samaritans, hated the Samaritans. It was truly a racial thing. Why? Because they were the half-breeds. There's nothing good that can come out of them either. And that's what they believed, that's what they thought. But here Jesus uses this example to these religious leaders saying, but the Samaritan came along and guess what he did? He actually helped. You can just imagine them being like, 
How dare you say, you know, kind of a thing. I mean, but the thing is, Jesus is trying to teach him a lesson. For he was a Samaritan, but still this Samaritan had what the, the Levite, what the priest, what they didn't have, the Samaritan had a serving mindset. And this mindset is what we find even in our Savior. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. So we see here tonight, we see a serving mindset, but it's interesting because this serving mindset led to a selfless ministry, letter B. It led to a selfless ministry. Verse 34, And it went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. That's what the Samaritan did. You know, whatever his agenda was that day, it was gone. Whatever was on his to-do list was postponed. I mean, this, this, this Samaritan made time for this man. We see a selfless ministry taking place here. And the thing is, his comfort was no longer important. His to-do list was no longer necessary. All of a sudden, even his reputation meant nothing. It was not about him. It was about the ministry. And we see that will lead this man to what? Letter C, to go the second mile to go the second mile. Verse 35. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. See, this guy, he's going the extra mile. I mean, he's going not just the second mile, but the third mile, the fourth mile. He's going above and beyond. You know, it would have been enough if he just dressed the wounds of that person, said, hey, you had a rough day. Hopefully this helps out. I got to go take care. It would have been enough for him to say, you know what, I'll take you to an end. You had a rough day today. Hopefully you have a good night and hopefully you have a better day tomorrow. That would have been enough as well too. But no, this guy, like I said, goes the second mile, the third mile, the fourth mile. I mean, this guy has extended himself above and beyond. You know, even Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. And Jesus here is illustrating through this very Samaritan the second mile going beyond what's required. And I was just telling our church family about that, you know. Sometimes you go to people and you love them, you care for them, you give them the gospel, you take them out to eat, you're treating them, loving them, trying to, you know, this person who's lost, you want them to be saved, you want them to accept Christ as their Savior, you're giving your all for them, and in the end, guess what happens sometimes? They just drop you. They just say, sorry, I'm not going to do that. Sorry, I'm not going to go to church anymore, right? We like to hear the good news of like, we invest all this time and from it we see something happen. But the reality is, especially me as a pastor seeing it, sometimes that's just not how it is. Sometimes it takes not just months or weeks and things like that. Sometimes it takes decades of praying for somebody, loving somebody, keeping on them, being faithful to them before you see some fruit in their lives. But the thing is, no matter what, we need to keep going the extra mile. Why? Because every soul is important. You may be looking to somebody saying, I've been talking to that guy. I've invited him to church, Easter and everything. He never showed up for Easter, never showed up for this. I give up. I, I mean, I mean, I, he had a chance. He missed it. It is what it is. May it not be said of us, that, that, may it not be said that we had that kind of an attitude. We need to continue on, keep loving that person, keep praying for them, keep inviting them because you never know what God can, is doing in their life and how he's using you to be able to push them toward, him, toward God more. And so I just encourage you here tonight, once again, the question comes, I want to end with this, the question is, who is my neighbor? Right? Who is my neighbor? By definition, a neighbor is either somebody who is geographically close, close to you, or we were on an airplane just the other day, somebody who's sitting next to you could be your neighbor, it could even be somebody in your local community who's a neighbor, 
But we see here the biblical definition of a neighbor is everyone and anyone. And the thing is, love who? Thy neighbor as who? Thyself. That goes to who your neighbor is, for sure. That goes to who your family is, but that even extends to people out there that, that you know, you don't even know. Even for us there in Kailua, we're an inner city kind of a church, and I say inner city, but our city's not big. We're not, we don't have skyscrapers or anything like that, but still, we're in that downtown area, and so we have all kinds of people coming by, you know, especially with our homeless situation there, even them coming by, and I try my best to love them. Why? Yes, I am bothered by the, you know, them standing outside and just kind of setting up shop and things like that. Yes, I'm bothered by the things that they do sometimes, kicking our windows and all that. I understand that. I get that. But the thing is this. There's a soul there that's either going to spend eternity in hell or in heaven, and I have an opportunity to make a difference in their life. And that's what it comes down to. Whether it is that person who's super high up, a CEO of a company, or even somebody who's homeless, every soul matters. Every soul counts. Every soul is my neighbor And the question for all of us here tonight is, who is your neighbor and what are you going to do about it? Are you going to love them? Are you going to care for them? Are you going to go the extra mile like this Samaritan did? Or are you just going to pass on by? Are you going to maybe look at them and say, man, somebody should do something for that person. He he really needs Jesus. And then go the other way. Are you going to say, he really needs Jesus. Let me go tell him who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for him, right? That burden and responsibility is passed to us. And the question for all of us here tonight is, what are you going to do about it when God presents you with that divine appointment? Are you going to just let it pass by, go pass by it? Or are you going to do something about it? Let's all stand, of course, with head bowed, eyes closed. We jump into our invitation time here tonight.